Bible, over, whether it's on a screen, on a book, go to Matthew chapter 13 and we'll look at that later. But right now, who, who reckons you can have fun in church? I reckon we'll have fun in church. So we're soon, we're going to watch a video on the screen and see how that goes. But before I start, just in the worship, um, I was just thinking about One Heart Elliston that's happening right now, well, at 11 o'clock. And I would just want to encourage people here, you know what, you get, we get to serve here. But if you have a burden on your heart to serve there one time, why don't you have the service? He passed and say, you know what, I'd love to be a part of a, a service in One Heart Elliston in some capacity. Speak to him and, and enjoy that experience about going up to Elliston and connecting to that. But all right, so let's go to the screen and watch this video. Wow, there you go, a blast from the past, Backyard Blitz. So if you're taking notes, that's what we're going to be speaking on this morning is Backyard Blitz. For those that may be too young to know what Backyard Blitz was, it was a TV show. Who watches The Block? I don't watch The Block, but I know The Block. Think of Backyard Week, right? So what Backyard Blitz was, it has Scotty in it as well, but it's a charity goodwill renovation show. And so basically, if there's a family deemed worthy enough to have a backyard blitz, these guys would come in, get this trashy backyard and make it look beautiful and fabulous. And so that was the aim. And so, But in a spiritual concept, I believe God wants to make your backyard go from bad to good. And so that's what we're going to look at the Word of God, see how God can speak to us so we can have a, a good backyard, a good life, and have it awesome. So... I hope you have Matthew 13, but before we go there, we're going to get some background to... Is Bill Bascom here? No, I'll get someone else. That's okay. Ecclesiastes 7.8. Oh, yes, yes. I'll borrow you and Mark. So just you guys, let's be ready for this. I'm going to borrow you two in a second. Great. So Ecclesiastes 7.8. Everyone say that. Ecclesiastes 7.8. Finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. In the Amplified, it says it like this. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. In the Message Bible, it says it like this. Sticking to it, it's better than standing out. So back into the New Living Translation. Finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. So uh, if I can get Mark and Bill to come up the front, please, onto the stage. Give them a clap as they come up. You know what one of these is? It's a balloon. Yep, great. You know what one of these are? Balloon, yep. So hopefully you know how to blow them up shortly. So to explain this Bible verse, so what they've, all, they've got, both got a balloon and we're going to use an illustration shortly to understand something. So to fi- finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. I want us to, to be able to understand what that truly means because that can be a little bit confusing. So when I talk about baptisms and marriage, I often see them as a sort of a similar, they're different, but... To explain them, they're similar. So, for example, if I was to tell you what the meaning of a wedding is, I'd say this. When I try to explain a wedding, I say it's like a baptism. It's a public ceremony, a public announcement of a lifelong decision. Similarly, when I try to explain a baptism, I say it's like a wedding. It's a public ceremony, a public announcement of a lifelong decision. People would agree with that. So, they're different. Obviously, one, in a wedding, you don't get chucked in some water, but but they're similar. And it's a public announcement of going, this is a lifelong decision that we're going to make. 
And so um, reading what we've read before, it, it is in the end, uh, the end is better than the beginning. Finishing is better than starting. Sticking to it, it's better than standing out. And so both with marriage and the Christian life are more about the end, not the start. It's about how we finish, not how we start. A great example, a few weeks ago with the grand final, Collingwood had brilliant starts. First quarter, brilliant start. End of the last quarter was a brilliant start, but they finished terribly. And so, praise Jesus. How good was that? <laughs> All right, so, Bill, if you can get that, if you both can blow up your balloon, Mark, I'll get you to tie yours off, and I'm going to get you to not tie yours off. Is that okay? Let's give him a, a, a who's got the most wind. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. That's a good, that's a good. Yeah, that's good, Mark. Yeah, plenty of but Blow it up. Blow it up. I mean, tie it up. You can tie it up and you leave yours, Bill. All right, so consistency is far better than the hype. Who would agree with that? For example, all right, so yours is tied. Can you just let go, Bill? Oh, pitiful. That was horrible. So what, what this bad analogy is trying to represent is that this balloon here is still the way it is. It, it's finished the way it started. Bill's balloon had the same start, looked the same, was full of inflation, fizzled out to nothing. And so like a marriage, like a baptism, we don't just want to have the hype of, yeah, I had my cool video, yeah, I'm getting baptized, I love Jesus. We don't want the hype, we want the finish. And so don't be Bill's balloon that goes, oh, yeah, I was inflated one day and now look at me, I'm deflated. So I encourage you, be the puffed up balloon, don't be the untied balloon. All right, thank you guys, you can keep your balloon, enjoy it. There you go. And I think it'd be the same for all of you. When I went through the waters of baptism, I made a decision, no, I'm going to be a Christian for life. I've died to my old life, the old patterns, the old things of sin. I'm not perfect yet, but I go, you know what, I make a commitment to go, these things aren't going to control me. I'm going to let Jesus guide my life. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit guide me into the best life. When, when the time comes when I get married, I'm going to make a decision. No, this isn't just for like, oh, well, until love runs out. No, I'm going to make a decision for life that I'm going to make that commitment. And so I, want to, I believe it's the same for you and the same for your life. And it is so sad when we see marriages break down and like a balloon infl- deflate and go around. It's it like, because it, it, why? It's not God's plan or design. Family gets splintered. It's just ugly. But I think it's even sadder when a new believer gets baptized, all the hype, six months later, one year later, five years later, 50 years later, they no longer follow Jesus. And why do I believe it's sadder? Eternity isn't just, marriage is just earth. like our salvation's eternity and that's what's so much sadder so I want us to be in a place and hopefully this message can help you put yourself in this place where you don't just last five years ten years six months but you last the course when you die and you meet Jesus amen Ecclesiastes 7 8 finally finishing is better than starting patience is better than pride so now we go to Matthew now that we've introduced things Matthew before we do I'm going to quickly pray Holy Spirit we pray that you guide these words of mine as we, we sing in this morning, God, we, our hearts want more of you. So we pray that you just help us be receptive, help us hear what you need us to hear, that we can live this life as champions and be the best us that you want us to be. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Matthew 13, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 8, then we're going to jump down to 18 to 23. It reads like this. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat, then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seed 
fell on the footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seed fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but soon the plants uh, soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seed fell among the thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed. Poke the person beside you say, still other seed. You are other seed. You are a lucky seed. You've got to know that. You've got some lucky seed. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. Can someone say good soil? Even, uh, sorry, I I missed the next line. (laughs) And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as they had been been planted. And so with that, this year is a year of fruitfulness. You may see posters around it talking about fruitfulness. And so I believe that we've got to be people that produce a crop, produce fruit of multiplied times. And so now we've skipped down to verse 18. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell among the footpath represent those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. The evil one, the devil, Satan, comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed, among the, uh, the, the seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear, the me- uh, hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life and the lure of, of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. Wow, that's powerful. I love that. And I hope that's your testimony. But right, what we're talking about is, so that is talking about the seed is salvation, right? We don't, we'd see that thing there. The seed is salvation. It's that relationship being planted with God. But we're not talking about salvation this morning. We're talking about faithfulness. So we're talking about faithfulness. But can I tell you, as a church, we're not called to be a faithful church. We're called to be a fruitful church. So this parable is talking about faithfulness, but I don't believe we're just here for faithfulness. I believe we're here for fruitfulness because we as a church, we're called to have a higher calling, a higher mandate than just being faithful. We're here, yes, finishing is better than starting, but I believe it's how we finish and we're going to be a fruitful finish, yeah? So um, our church, if you know the vision, this will make sense to you. We're not called to be a small, irrelevant, uh, immature believer church. No, we're called to be large, relevant, of mature believers who love our community, that's fruitfulness. We're called to that. And so we've got to make, continue to remind ourselves of that. Go, yes, God, we're here not to be small, irrelevant, boring and dumb, but we're here to be fruitful. We're here to make a difference and we're here to be big people. And so this building, and I want to try and uh, increase your faith right now. This building, I believe, is far too small for what God wants. Now, in saying that, I think this building, God can use this building. It doesn't mean he can't use it. If we have to pack this thing out five times a Sunday, we'll let, because God's moving, well, we agree with that. But God, this building is too small. I don't believe there's any building necessarily on the Air Peninsula that could contain what God wants to do. Uh, and so with that, I, I have this belief, and I continue to remind myself of it. There's no reason why One Heart, can't, One Heart Church in the Port Lincoln location can't be a place where a 1,000 people meet on a Sunday or on a weekend services. I believe that that can be the reality, not um, 500 people doubling up. No, 1,000 different people each week meeting. I believe 
we, we can see that. And so you might go, well, how would that work? Well, there's, say, we have around, say, 250 people on a regular basis through our church now, plus 900 from the high school. If everyone in the high school got saved, there you go, there's 1,000 people. And so why, why do I have passions like that? So you, you, I read through the book of Jonah in the Bible, and it, it says there that this one man, reluctant as anything, didn't want, to have, didn't want to do what God told him to do, goes to this town of Nineveh, 120,000 people, the whole place gets saved. And so if God could use one man, Jonah, to see a, a random town, city saved, why can't God use a, one young person in a high school? Why can't God use one person in their, in their, in their working environment to see a change? Because I believe that we can do that. If he did it for not, Jonah, he can do it for me. If he did it for Jonah, he can do it for you. And so you've got to realize, no, God's got a plan for my life to make a difference that we can see fruitfulness around us. And so there are too many people going to hell. That's the reality. Those 900 people that are not saved at the high school, they're going to hell. And that, everywhere else. And so I'm here. I live my life to go, God, I'm not going to just let life pass me by without seeing people have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. And so uh, Pastor Rob's been talking about punchy prayer and getting a bit of mongrel in you. And you got to. We've been hearing it, but we've got to start playing. Go, you know what, God, we're sick and tired of these people. If they die, their eternity is not with Jesus. And you've got to get that mongrel in your spirit. Go, no, Holy Spirit, give me boldness. Give me passion because the enemy's happy with these people having a bad life, a bad ending. We've got to have that commitment to go, no, we, we've seen a change. We've seen a difference. And you might have heard this saying before, but we've got to plunder hell to populate heaven. And that's your role and that's my role. And we've got to be the Great Commission. Go and make disciples because that's the commission. We've got to do that, church. Yep. Yeah. And so let's, let's change this subject. Let's get a bit more positive. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Now, when I think of soil... I see dirt, right? I hope you can see dirt there. And then when I see dirt, I see a garden. I'm opening use of envisioning gardens. And so that, now you can open up your eyes again, hence the title Backyard Blitz. So I want to talk about the garden and how we can have a backyard blitz. Um, who, who's ever played Fortnite? Who knows what Fortnite is? I feel like I'm on Fortnite with this instrument here. But so i got a sister... Her name's Mariah. Um, basically, about a year ago, she got married. And so with marriage, um, she bought a house and the backyard was a mess. And so late last year, early this year, uh, the family's been helping out, giving this backyard a bit of a, a tidy up. And so this tool here was called a hoe. And so what was happening is there was this garden bed thing. And it wasn't a garden bed, it was a weed bed. And it was just full of mess. And so what was happening is, I can't do it with full vigor because I've got this microphone. But so there, were, there, was, this, there was this weeds, and so we were, we were digging out the weeds out of the garden bed until, so we're digging, 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 and then they, they start hearing this. And it's like, what the heck is this metal in the garden? And so then they kept, kept going, donk, 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 until eventually they uncovered this bathtub in the middle of the in the middle of this backyard. And so Mariah's like, what in earth is there a bathtub doing in the garden? A bath doesn't belong in the garden. Who agrees with me? It, it's got to go. The bathtub doesn't belong in a garden. And so we, with that weird analogy, because you're thinking, thinking, you're thinking, are we going to find a skeleton in here? We're going to be rich. No, nah, it, it was a bathtub. And so we've... we've, we've 
read in Matthew about things found in a garden that don't belong there. And so the, the question I want to ask us today is, what compromises your seed? What compromises your seed? What compromises your fruitfulness? Because if it compromises your seed, it compromises your fruitfulness. And so there's things found in the garden in the Bible, those birds. And so the enemy, devil, Satan, lies to us and we believe it, whether it's doubt, mistruth, random unbiblical opinion. But we've got to get the, the spiritual scarecrow as such and, and say, spiritual scarecrow, devil, those lies, those misunderstandings, those things that you're putting in my life, they don't belong here. Just like that bathtub in my sister's backyard, that's got to go. You're compromising my fruitfulness. Rocks. So that was talking about longevity. And so it's saying that the people that don't last long, we read in Ecclesiastes, uh, finishing is better than starting. And so are we about the hype or we about and fizzle out? Are we about, no, no, we're going to be longevity. We're going to get the spiritual bulldozer, get these rocks out of here because we've got to get some deep roots and last. And so, uh, uh, and that's about trusting the Bible. The other thing we read was about thorns. And so that was with the distractions that choke out Darth Vader, that choke out the, uh, the spiritual fruit he wants to produce in your life. And so things, these distractions, like Darth Vader would choke you out. I was playing, I got this Star Wars game and I was playing and there's a side note and then I, was, I saw Darth Vader there. Then he choked me out. I'm like, oh, choked me out. But in life, things can choke you out. Laziness, hobbies, business. Be, uh, or busyness and be, your business, bills, money, Fortnite, Facebook, Netflix, so many things. They're not necessarily bad. Chocolate, they, these things, they might not be bad, but, they, but are they compromising your seed? Are they compromising your fruitfulness for what God wants to do? And so these are things where we're, God, this thing's good, but right now it's, it's, it's a compromise in my life and it doesn't belong in my backyard. How do we know if something belongs in our backyard or not? This book, the Bible, You've got to get this a part of your life. Mariah had a plan for her garden and thought, well, these weeds don't belong here. That bathtub doesn't belong here. When we get into the Bible, we see, wow, that, I want my life like that. Well, therefore, that compromise doesn't belong in my backyard. Oh, wow, God, you've given me vision. Well, to see that, this thing in my life right now does not belong in my backyard. This doubt, this fear, this insecurity, it doesn't belong in my backyard. I've got to get into the Word of God, see the promise, see the revelation, see the vision, go, oh, God, that's what I want. Therefore, that thing in my backyard has got to go. That bathtub's got to get out of here. And so when I read the Bible, some people um, will get, when it comes to, this, like, there's two Testaments, the New Testament and the Old Testament. Another word for testament is covenant or agreement. So there's, there's two agreements. A lot of people go, oh, just read the New Testament. Yeah. And I, I, I say, yes, read the New Testament. But I can tell you, read the Old Testament just as much as you do the New Testament. Because the more I read the Old Testament these days, the more I see the New Testament. I see principles and things of Jesus in the Old Testament so often. So you've got to read the book cover to cover. Read parts and go, well, Holy Spirit, if that's what the promise you have for my life. I've got to get these other bathtubs and weeds out of here because it's compromising my seed. It's compromising my fruitfulness. And so, continue on. So the Bible tells us how to live. And so when the birds come, you've got to get your, your biblical spiritual scarecrow. When the rocks build up, you need that, that heavy lifting machinery and visions from God. Say, so you know what? When, when, that, when that's, 
that rocks there that stops you from going further. You're going to go, no, I have a vision. I have a biblical foundation that says, God, you've promised me this for my kids. You've promised this for my life. And hold on to that scripture because when the doubts come, when the worries come, you go, you know what? Now my roots go deeper than this worry. My roots go deeper than this problem. I'm standing on the word of God. When the thorns come, the Bible has weeds spray for you. So you know what? Weeds, you got to go. These are, these are just some statements from the Bible. The, the enemy's under our feet. We've got to promise that. That's what God says. The enemy's under our feet. Other ones. Um, patience is better than pride. We've read that. Uh, it's better to suffer for doing good than for doing wrong. Uh, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Keep your promises even when it hurts. I am the head and not the tail. Above only, not beneath. Um, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so you've got to build yourself up in your most holy faith. And you know what? I I encourage you as a Pentecostal church, we've got to be speaking in tongues often. Because there's those things in your life you can hold on to the Bible. But I know there's times in my life I go, God, this is what your word says, but I just, I'm struggling right now. And I build myself up in my holy faith. I speak in tongues because I go, God, your word is more important. My seed, my fruitfulness is more important than this bad attitude I have right now. Come and move in my life. All right, Hebrews. And so, and the, ultimately, the seed that fell on the good soil, the seed that fell on a backyard blitz, represent those who truly hear and understand God's word. So if you want to hear and understand God's word, that is good soil. And so when you're hearing God's word, that's how you know what backyard blitz you need to have. Hebrews 12, 14 to 15 says this. Work at living in peace with someone. Oh, wait, sorry, I read that wrong. Work at living in peace with everyone with everyone, and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look um, after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. We see there the issue in this garden, it doesn't just affect you. It says that the root of bitterness corrupts you and affects many. And so we've got to go, well, if there's a, a root of bitterness in my life, this, the, the, it doesn't just affect my seed, it affects the seed of the people around me. And uh, it, it's sad because some people, will, they'll be so holy and so righteous and so they'll say, well, this here is a problem, this here is an issue. They make such a big focus on, the, on this issue and division. It doesn't just affect them, it affects everyone else. And so true holiness, true purity is when you, go, when you have the ability to say, you know, I'm going to stay united. I'm going to make a decision to go, this thing right now that annoys me, I'm not going to cause it to splinter things off. I'm going to be united and have the correct mindset. And so then um, one heart church, obviously that means unity. Ephesians 4, 3, Pastor Rob will often say this, um, make every effort to keep yourselves united. And so we've got to make that decision to go, you know what, God, um, we will make every effort to be united. We're going to make every effort to uh, not let a bitter, root, a bitter root corrupt us and splinter us off. Things like this. So we've got to say statements like this. This root of offense doesn't belong here. It's got to go. This root of insecurities doesn't belong here. Uh, this root of poverty mindset doesn't belong here. This root of discouragement, shame doesn't belong here. And so you've got to understand and be in a position and a place in your life where you go, you know what, this insecurity, this shame, this poverty mindset can cause me to be divided of people, but my unity is far greater, far uh, uh, more important than those misunderstandings in your life. And so then uh, all they do is distract you from your fruitfulness, and so life is too short to be unfruitful. Proverbs 13, 19 says this, 
It's pleasant to see dreams come true, but fools refuse to turn from their evil to attain them. And so if we were to talk about backyard blitz with this, it's pleasant to live a fruitful life, but fools refuse to have a backyard blitz and they refuse to create good soil. And so who's seen that TV ad about CLR, Cassie, Lyman, and Russ are gone? You've got to get some CLR and unfruitful soil is gone. You've got to spray that onto your life. You've got to go, you know, God, my life is too short to be unfruitful. My life is too short to let these weeds and other things. So if, if you've got the, the evil weed of calcium, lime, or rust, spray that thing. And it's got to be gone so you can live a fruitful life. The music team can come back. We're going to read Philippians 3, 12 to 14. And so Paul in the Bible, he... He lived a brilliant life where I believe he lived this out, where he made a commitment to go, you know what, God, I, my fruitfulness counts. I'm going to do everything that I can to live fruitfully. And so this is what he says to the church in Philippi. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've reach, already reached perfection. So he doesn't, he's saying, I, I'm not saying that I've got the perfect backyard blitz. I'm not saying that I've I've." cleaned up my garden perfectly, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. Now, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So Paul didn't have the perfect backyard, but he committed to cleaning up. He deliberately and intentionally made his life a place for fruit. And so the bath has got to go. This bitterness has got to go. This compromise has got to go. And he said, you know what? I'm forgetting the past. I forget those weeds. I look forward to the future. And so we've got to have that. Just like Paul, that's got to be our testimony. And then Paul, at the end of his life, sorry to go Star Wars again, but it's the best way I think about it in my head. You see Jedis, and they have their Padawans, their, their apprentices. And so think of, uh, think of Paul here in, in 2 Timothy as like Master Yoda or something, teaching Luke something. And so he's teaching his young, so Paul, like Yoda, is teaching Timothy, like Luke, instructions. And he, so, so Paul's at the end of his life, and he says this to Timothy. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. And so what's your testimony? A baptism video that goes, yes, I, I died in my life and and look to look to Jesus or is and so big hype or is your testimony a fruitful life and so at the start we looked at the balloons and so I don't want this to be the testimony of any believer in our church I don't want you to go yes I was once filled I was once full of life I was once full of the Holy Spirit being fruitful and then going oh well and then you meet Jesus and he says hey hey Josh what how was your life oh yes Jesus here's my deflated balloon no, we've got to go, God, we, like Paul says, no, I've run my race, I've fought the good fight, and I've, I've done what I can. And so what, what we're going to do right now is if you've never, if you, you'd say, you know what, Pastor Josh, I've never made the decision to even inflate my balloon. I've never even made the decision to meet Jesus. If, that, if that's you this morning, I'll get you to raise your hand. I'm just going to pray a prayer with you quickly. So if everyone can bow their heads and close their eyes. If that's you this morning, you say, you know what, Josh, I want to meet Jesus. I want to start my race this morning. I want to inflate my balloon. Can you just raise your hand and I'll see it and we'll pray. That's all, all right. 
We see one hand. Anyone else want it like that? If that's you, we're going to pray. Jesus, right now, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and your patience and your kindness. Even more importantly, we thank you for the Word of God. We believe that we can leave this place greater. We can leave this place better because you're with us and for us. And God, we want to leave stronger and better than before. What we're going to do right now is Pastor Jimmy's going to quickly lead us in a bit of a song. And then, So if we can stand and I'll do a quick prayer after that and we'll leave this and we'll go to Pastor Rob with communion.